Hello, we are live. It is uh, Wednesday. Is it April Fool's Day? Nobody knows what day it is. Well, if it's not April Fool's Day, haha, April Fool's, it's actually April Fool's Day. Uh, it's April 1st. A lot of news happened, I feel like, in the week, in the world this week, Bobby. Lots of news. So, minor leaguers are getting paid. Uh, there's, Congratulations. Yeah, good job, guys. Um, finally, someone recognizes that you exist, I suppose. <laughs> uh, college sports are, I think they ratified the bill. We'll kind of run through some of those tweets. There's, it's a lot to follow. There's still a lot of uh, unanswered questions, but they passed measures uh, restoring eligibility to seniors and extending the roster limits. And that's a uh, that's a big deal. And then Idaho passed a law uh, restricting the rights of some trans, well, not some, restricting some rights of transgender people, one of which includes sports. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, so Bobby, how's week whatever of your coronavirus uh, lockdown? It's amazing. It's been amazing. We've lost all concept of time. These four, the walls are caving in. I yeah. Painted so the, I painted the ceiling so the house got a little smaller. What did you paint it? Just a bright white. Just a little touch up. I see. Well, one of the things that is funny that I, I mentioned to a friend and then you start seeing articles about it now, it's like a lot of people with really mediocre relationships that maybe weren't that happy are now stuck with each other all the time. <laughs> and How about the people that just moved in with each other March 1? Yikes. Good luck, guys. Good luck. But that's problematic. I mean, I saw an article. I wasn't able to read it today <laughs> on the New York Times about the uh, um, like husbands and wives are talking. In the, the article is titled, uh, So That's What You Do All Day, <laughs> which is pretty funny <laughs> because you just never really know other people's work habits until you're up in front of them. Um, I used to work with uh, my ex at a WeWork and she was super focused. I mean, I was impressed by how, and she was the only remote worker, um, in the city from her, uh, consulting firm. So, you know, you, when you're kind of on your own, your work habits can be your own, but I mean, she was really focused, so she was killing it, but not everyone's that her, way. I'm and sure. You let her go and you let her go. Hey man, can't always, uh, you just try to, Make it work, but sometimes it just doesn't. Just it is what it is. But anyway, so let's talk about college baseball because that's a uh, that's a big thing. So what do you got here? We got to kind of trace back some of the. So if you don't follow a really good source of college baseball information, Kendall Rogers, who's one of the editors of D One Baseball, um, he's a really good real time source, sort of like breaking a lot of these stories because he's kind of on the forefront. But um, really long back and forth with his his Twitter stream. So they're going to ex- sort of like throw out the roster limits essentially. Is that kind of how you've interpreted this? Yeah, it sounds like they're going to they're going to s- throw that out the window. They're also going to reset everybody's 5-year clock and extend it by a year. Um, so for those that don't know, everybody gets a 5-year clock whether you redshirt for 4 years, you get 4 years of playing within a 5-year clock that they call it. So they're going to extend that by a year for most importantly, the guys that are seniors, the guys that ran out of years. Yeah. And the whole senior debate is still ongoing. I mean, it's still a lot of money to come back to college. College is still becoming more and more of a terrible investment 
as every day goes on. So that idea of paying 20 grand to come back and play a college sport is, or 50 grand, depending on where you go, is a very real conversation. And, uh, you know, I was chatting with um, Liam Bowen, who's uh, the head coach of my alma mater, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. We were just kind of like chatting and he's going to come on the show at some point. But, you know, the sentiment was when this just first, everyone's season just got snipped so abruptly. Um, there was obviously a lot of emotions for everyone. It's like, we're coming back. We're a family. And then the real world hit, you know, you get a couple of weeks of distance from it. And suddenly you start to feel, you start to really get a little more level headed and start to really think about your future, where you actually do want to come back, whether that makes financial sense. Now, if the emotions have died down, if you really need to spend another year in school to get, you know, your last six weeks of baseball or softball or whatever spring sport you played. And that's a that's obviously like you and I both went through that when we retired from baseball. Anytime, like there's a lot of emotions and then you start to the, the fog clears a little bit. No doubt. It's so, going to be interesting with some of these kids that they were really stumping for that extra year, you know, right when the season got canceled. But now, like you said, a little bit of, little bit of time to think, reassess where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. Look at, look at your bank account. Yeah, I mean, the bank account does matter. And we, we talked about that, uh, you know, recently. And it just, you don't want to send yourself plummeting. And this is a conversation that I know you have with kids and I have with kids uh, more frequently when they're talking about their college aspirations. Like, don't send yourself into a hundred... $40,000 in debt just for one, you know, this school that you might like a little more or this like where you can get money and where you can reduce your debt after college matters a lot. It matters a money lot. Talks. Because people start talking about some of these job offers and, and or job promises from some schools. And many years ago, I, I met a lawyer and she went to uh, Widener Law School, which is up in, I think, Delaware. And, uh, She's like, yeah, I have like 180000 in debt. I'm about to graduate. They promised us, you know, these kind of job numbers. And she's like, it's very clear now that I'm going to fall way, way short of that. Like, I'm just not going to be making the money that they sort of uh, convinced us of when I signed up for this. And um, I think that conversation, that's probably 10 years ago now, is a lot more frequently had now. But college is even more expensive. So... It's just one of those, I don't know, the system's going to, it's going to like implode on itself sooner or later. Just the way all these administrative staff are bloating college, um, college uh, fees and I don't know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, you, with this extra year, it's going to affect those kids, you know, the 2021 class maybe, but that 2022 class where, you know, the recruiting coordinators start to readjust, like they're just, they're just not going to bring in. Now that maybe if you have nine seniors next year, they're not going to bring in nine freshmen in that 2022 class to fill those spots. They're just going to let yeah. those spots go away. So, you know, it's going to – I don't think this incoming class is going to be that much affected. I think they'll just make do. And then you figure it out at the back end um, of next year when you're trying to fill spots. I mean, these schools, for as many schools that over-recruit, they're not going to handcuff themselves with 20 extra players that – are just going to be more, more uh, of a headache than they're worth, even if they're good players. I mean, you're just not going to over-recruit that much and cause yourself issues. The scholarship, the scholarship money is going to be the biggest thing. Uh, 
I was reading, and I don't know if this is 100% true, that um, the seniors, the kids that are going out or that should have gone out, their scholarships won't count against the 11.7. That's correct. So so if that's the case, you're going to have schools that are going to be on the hook for that money. Um, You know, power five schools, schools that bring in money with football. I'm sure it's no issue. Athletic program will foot that bill. But if you get a small school, you know, maybe your college, they're going to have to find that money. And that money might mean, hey, we've only got this much. So we're going to divide it up evenly. So you go from a guy that went, you know, had 50%. Now you've got 20%. What do you do? What's, what's yeah. the plan? Yeah. So let me read you this passage. Again, this is from D1Baseball.com, which if you're appearing out there, it's a good, very good source of info for this. So first, seniors can return for another season and it will not count against the program's 11.7 scholarships, 35-man roster, or 27 counters. So that's like the players that dress. However, the school reserves the right to pay a returning senior whatever they want as long as it doesn't exceed the scholarship amount they had in 2020. So if you want to come back as a senior, they might not want to give you the same amount of money. The wording's just giving leeway to schools to not give as much as the kids had. Yeah, which is still realistically. It's like, look, there's this whole narrative of I was you know, a college senior and I was like the team leader. It was like, well, when you're a college senior – they do start planning for the future. I mean, they start, you know, like your junior season is your peak for a lot of guys. And then, well, I guess junior slash senior season should both be your best year if you're getting better with experience. But, right. you know, it's uh, when you're a senior, they're getting sophomores chances so that they can be the prominent junior next year. Like that, that cycle always continues. And so you want to come back for a fifth year. Great. You better be really, really good. You have to be way better than the younger guys because they need to start giving those guys reps so that they're, they're what they need to be. And they have the experience to compete as juniors and, and then seniors. You want the younger, you want the younger guys to play. You see it. Yeah. You see it in all sports. You know, you get a freshman that can contribute all of a sudden you might have this kid for another two, three years. It's great. And a staple. Like you don't have to recruit his position. You don't have to recruit you're starting shortstop for the next three years. Like that's huge. You just give you throw money at arms and try and, you know, basically make a run at it. It's like hitting on draft picks. If you can hit on draft picks and get them controlled for a few years in any sport, you got like, that's the, that's the ideal way to build a team. So they're going to give these young guys spots. And if you're a senior with, you know, you're with 10 innings, your junior year, like you're going to come back and try and throw, are you going to be a Friday guy? Probably not. They're going to have a young kid that's going to be throw him in the fire and see if he can't handle it. Like you might get that spot at some point later on in the season, but if you're not the dude by junior year, you're just not the dude. Yeah. Very rare. You don't see many guys just pop up their senior year and make that jump, you know, especially in the coaches eyes. Like those coaches have short leashes for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if you're, well, let me do this. Let's do this promo. So if you're just tuning in, uh, we're live here on Twitter. We're live on uh, Instagram. So, or I'm sorry. Well, I'm currently live on Instagram. Hello. We're live on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube slash C slash Dan Blue at my channel, you'll find us live there as well. We're also live on Twitter. Um, and I'm currently blasting words into Instagram. So hello, Instagram. Pop over to Twitter or YouTube and catch us live. Um, so if you're just joining the show, this is the morning brushback. I am uh, your co-host, Dan Blewett, and I'm joined here by Chicagoan, Chicagoan, Bobby Stevens. Chicagoan? Chicagoan. Chicago-ite? 
Uh, Bobby, it's 363 days to your next birthday now. You have that depression set in? I, I tell you what, I was I was loving the social distancing birthday. Were you? A little FaceTime. I took a nap. It was amazing. Congratulations. Um, was, did you get your real cake, your sponge with sugar sprinkled on top? No, vegan cake, almond flour. Weird. Date syrup. <laughs> you, I'll send you some. Uh, please don't. I, I mean, that sounds like the Malort equivalent in food. Oh, my uh, my brother-in-law got me a Malort shirt. I got a few gifts, and one of them was a Malort shirt. Bobby, explain to the world what Malort is. It's like if you bottled the hand sanitizer you bought at Home Depot, and then whenever you went out, took a shot of it until you couldn't feel your face. That's basically what Malort is. That's a fascinating, very non-descriptive uh, description. It's a it's an alcohol that was invented in Chicago. I don't know if it was invented in Chicago, but it's bottled in Chicago. It's very like it's a very Chicago thing. You come and you get a Chicago handshake. You get like an old style, which I'm not a Cubs fan, so I don't want old style. And you get a shot of Malort. It doesn't taste good to most people. I actually do like it, um, but it's an acquired. It's, it's gross. It's gross. So Dan hates it. So, I, I've, I've drunk a, a decent amount of it. Malort, if, if you're out there in the world and you want to know what this uh, disgusting beverage tastes like, if you were strong enough to pick up a dumpster in an alley and sort of like swish it around and then drain off the liquid in the bottom and then put it into a shot glass and take it, that's what Malort essentially tastes like. It has a very dumpster water aftertaste. Which you would agree I with. Don't, I, you would agree it's with. Better than, I, I think it's better than tequila and Jameson. The, the standard well, shots well, when you go out to the bar when um, someone's like, you want a shot of JMO? I said, no, I don't. Give me a shot of Malort. And I look like the idiot. Well, everyone has acquired taste. I mean, there's, there's play, I mean, all over the world, there's acquired tastes. Like, that's no big deal. But uh, objectively, it doesn't taste good. Tequila, I also think, is gross. I don't think Jameson's is gross, but I mean, there's lots of people in the world who think whiskey in general is gross. But as far as alcohols go, if you can tolerate a regular alcohol, you can tolerate, you know, whatever, vodka or whiskey, you're going to think, oh, this Malort stuff is like whiskey if someone vomited in the in the batch while they were making it. It's, on my, it's on my, it's on my Mount Rushmore for sure. Yeah. We also have some interesting guests uh, on the way, which I'm excited about. Friday, we have Will Carroll. Um, known as Injury Expert on Twitter. Will's a, an awesome dude, baseball guy, um, former writer for uh, Sports Illustrated and Bleacher Report, and just a really, I mean, he's, he's on top of the, uh, all the industries, or all the industries injuries. So he writes an awesome newsletter every week called Under the Knife, where he details uh, the current injury news in sports, and um, we're going to have a great conversation. Monday, we have Wynn Pelzer, who is a, uh, former USC Gamecock alumni and uh, pro baseball player as well, friend of ours, um, currently a scout. And then we got some more uh, guests in the pipeline as well. So we're going to have some good long chats, three hours, four hours, five hours. No, interesting okay. personalities. A lot of personalities out there. Um, also got a text just now. So from Morgan, uh, Morgan, one of my friends, he's a, uh, uh, volunteer coach at a uh, mid-major D1. He said next year is easy. The 21 and 22, 22 class is the issue, is the issue at least for mid-majors. He said 
2023 class were not as active so it's kind of back to normal so um it looks like like you said the pipeline is uh is kind of part of the issue down the road well it's an it's an easy conversation for me you gotta be you gotta be the best guy you can't be a fringe guy if you want to play at division one you gotta be the best guy and it's gonna have a good trickle down effect you know to i i think a lot of these junior colleges that were maybe like struggling to find talent or fill their roster with some talent. They're going to have a lot of talented kids as options. Yeah. So let's talk about Idaho. This is a, <laughs> nobody uh, ever says that. That's the, the only way. time that will ever, uh, let's transition. talk about, Idaho. let's talk about Idaho. So Idaho just passed a bill, uh, right in the middle of all this coronavirus stuff and their bill, they, uh, limited the law, the rights of transgender people in two ways. One, they can't change um, their gender identity on their birth certificate, which we're not going to discuss that issue today, but that's just on the bill. And then the other one is they uh, banned you from playing a sport that's not your biological gender. So if you're a male transitioning to female, you'll have to play male sports um, and vice versa. So uh, I'll let you go first, Bobby. This issue of sports and transgender athletes, it's its a complicated one. Where do you, how do you feel about this, this bill? The timing of the bill is is baffling. Like, we don't really need a lot of, dis- like, this stuff doesn't probably need to be happening at the moment. I think that's clear. There's a lot of other bigger fish to fry. But that notwithstanding, let's talk about the, the gender identity issue in, in sports a little bit. Uh, so, sports for everybody, sports are not fair, Right. In, in general, sports are not fair. They seem to be becoming more fair as, as we go on in time. Like there's, there's schools with them that don't have cuts. There's, you know, everybody participates. There's playing time restrictions. You know, everyone's got to play a certain amount of time. Uh, so from that aspect, if you're a transgender woman, you should be allowed to participate. Like if you're going to accept them them I don't but, when, but when you say diminish. participate what what gender of sport do you mean participate because i wholeheartedly agree you shouldn't take sports away from anyone but right. the question is which which should they their biological gender or their their new gender i i let them participate in their new gender if they're if you're going to if they're going to go through the transition if you're going to go through the jump through the hoops to be you know to go from a man to woman you should participate, let them participate in their new gender. That's, that's just my, cause my outlook is that it, sports aren't fair. Like I like to play basketball. Uh, at some point I was going to be told whether I chose not that I, I wasn't good enough to play basketball. You know, that's, I'm not saying it's going to be a, it's going to be a fair competition. You're going to have men, the biological men that transition to women that are just going to be physically stronger based on, their biology and they're going to probably dominate some of these female sports. But if we're going to look at the bigger picture, like there's, you know, sports are not fair. The, the biology dictates how, how high you end up reaching in your sport. So I don't know if it's come up in women's professional sports yet. And if maybe, you know, uh, I haven't heard that a man transitioning to a woman, it has, yeah, it has come in. So like it's, it's a tough situation. I don't know. You know, Idaho is 
baffling as to why they would come out with it now. I mean, I guess it's to, you know, yeah, this guy's had strong beliefs on it. He probably is hiding behind the veil of public pandemic, but. Well, and I don't, know, I don't know about the, about the pipeline of how these bills get passed. Like it just might've been like, this was just like the time when it just had to get done. Like it, it right. was just, you know, probably a, a multi-year process. I don't know. Um, I'm t- I take the opposite approach. I, I have the opposite stance on this. And here's here's what's hard about this whole dialogue in general is that if you read the comments of and of course I think t- the internet is a harsher place whether we all know that than the real world people say stuff they wouldn't normally ordinarily say if you read the comments to these articles and as you know we all try to wade through the media today which is harder than ever you can see this these articles as they were released I'm going to pull up actually a screen share so you can see here a couple of my points in a second like CNN's headline was basically just it says Idaho reduces the rights of transgender people. And I think that's a misleading title when you start to consider the rights of other people in the debate, which are female athletes, you know, cisgendered female right. athletes. And there's two different stances you could take, which is one is that, you know, this hurts the trans community, but you also have to remember that this hurts the female athlete community if you're allowing biological men who are transitioning to then suddenly dominate that sport. And that's what's really problematic to me. So I'm going to actually share my screen. So if you're watching live, you'll be able to see uh, this article that I'm pulling up. So the first, and here's here's the thing. the What's problematic about these Twitter comments is that there's no in-between. It's basically either you support the legislature, or you, you, you uh, support trans rights to do anything they want essentially or you're transphobic and you're you know an awful person and that's what a lot of the comments uh, were reflecting or it's like look this is sort of common sense female athletes you know biological female athletes they can't compete with men and to allow you know this change is going to just basically strike down a lot of the hard work that they do, they're not going to be able to compete. So on the Joe Rogan podcast, they talked about this. There was a female UFC athlete. She was transitioning from male. She's a biological male transitioned to a female. And she cracked a woman's skull. She basically just dominated people for a while. But Rogan's point was that she wasn't a good fighter. He's like, she wasn't even good. He said she was just so more physically strong than everyone else that she just manhandled them essentially. And then finally she got beat. And he's like, yeah, because she's not actually good. Like this woman who beat her is a technically excellent fighter. And you have this lesser fighter who just has a, a physical advantage. And so if you're looking on my screen here, you're going to see the 2016 Olympics, the 100 meter results. So the top three, the you know gold, silver, bronze was Bolt, Gatlin, and, and Grassi, 9.81, 9.89, 9.91. If you look at the 100 meter women's, the gold was 10.71, 10.83, and then 10.86 was bronze. So that's problematic. And and the reason, so now I'm pulling up the Division Three 2019 outdoor track and field. And this is the 100-meter men's. And this, uh, so this, again, this is Division Three, third-tier um, men's sports in America. Uh, and this is just a preliminary. Here's the here's some of the times in the prelims. 10.46, 10.39, 10.54, 10-4-9, all these would exceed, um, they would all be gold medal winners in the female, in the women's Olympics. And the current women's 100 meter world record is 10.49, which was set back in 1988. So a number of these in the prelims would break the world record. 
And that's where it becomes really problematic because you're saying, all right, we have these female athletes who've worked their whole lives. And then suddenly you could get a D3 male sprinter breaks the world record. How does that sit with everybody? You know, because if you let, if you allow uniform participation, you can't say, oh, well, you're too fast, so you can't do it. But if you're a slow transgender athlete, then you can, then you can do it. You know what I mean? I mean, how do you feel about that? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the opposite side. Like I said, that like sports aren't fair, you know, the, those D3 men. And why do we have, then why do we have a set, then, then why do we have a segregation of genders at all? And that's, I mean, well, I that's okay. That's so the, yep, that's the point you hit on it, right? Like if we're going to have this discussion, there needs to be, you know, or there's the WNBA specific to humans born biologically female. If it's, if it's not, then there can't be, well, if, Lebr- if LeBron James transitioned to a woman tomorrow, he's the greatest men's basketball player living right now. Like he's going to be the greatest female, you know, player. If, if you, if you don't want to allow him to transition <laughs> and play in the WNBA, then just have the NBA. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah. and then, and then women will, and you know, women will go through the same pipeline and so, how do you feel about that? Would would you be okay with LeBron suddenly playing in the in the uh, WNBA? I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other. But really, I, you don't? Uh, yeah, I don't. I feel like you have I, to. I don't though. I I don't. the The UFC example, I think, is the big one, right? Because that's well, just a physical. That's a that's a physical fight, right? You yeah, know, that's, it, I mean, to, to some extent, dangerous. some of these yeah. sports. To some extent, some of these sports are your their skill, like. Women want to, you know, women want to come. If there's a woman that's good enough, uh, basketball player, if Candace Parker was good enough to be in the NBA, would she be allowed to be? I, I think, think she so. would. I mean, they, I think she would too. Yeah. The, and the PJ tour, it's open. If, if you're a female and you want to play sure. in the PJ tour, the problem is they can't hit the ball far enough. They, they, no, they don't I, make the cut. They don't make the cut. But there's bio, biological and physical, uh, physical limitations to 99.9% of humans, right? So, like, I'm not going to be on the PGA. I'm just not going to. Yeah, you suck at golf. I'm, I'm you can't even better. You can't even run for mayor, which is just Improving. like you file some forms. Improving. Well, that's, a, that's more of a, that's an ambition goal, right? But there's, if you're going to, my thing is if you're going to separate them, then you need to separate them specifically by the, the, what you were born biologically born as well, they have been separated them. they've been separated forever and i think it's i mean it's so i think that's celebrated. i think that's the line you, i think that's the line that's if that that line's been drawn then you then Which you stay has. on either side okay so that so this guy so that, does that change your does that change your your position then no i i don't again to not have a i think we're talking about a small a very small group of of people that are looking to have their looking to have rights, which they deserve rights. Transgender people deserve rights. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just don't know where. And that's not know, what this, yeah. And that's not what this is about. And I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off because this, and that's where I, it's hard to talk about this because we could easily both be attacked like, Oh, or me specifically, like not transphobic. I believe this is an incredibly hard thing that they do. Who would, who would volunteer to go through so much ridicule and hardship, unless this is really, truly how they felt, you know, sure. like it's such a hard thing and they should have all the rights. We just need to protect because again, because I think this legislation in Idaho is, 
it just this piece of it, the sports, I'm not commenting on the other part of it. Um, I think it's pro women because I think as a, as a female, as a biological female athlete, you should have the right to be celebrated as a world champion in your sport amongst your peers because women can be like, I showed the numbers of the hundred meter dash. You're ne- if you have to put all genders in one thing, a woman will never place. They're almost a second behind the world record, um, female to men. But the thing is, female athletes can be as technically sound as men, right? They can sprint with as good a form. They can train as hard or harder. They can be as, as gritty mentally. They can swing a, a softball bat with just the same amount of skill as a baseball bat. Same with a golf club. Same with anything, right? It's technical proficiency. And they're completely equal in that. But the biological differences can't be ignored. And so suddenly, if we open up to all genders, so say we don't have male or female sports, it's just human. Women will never again have a gold medal. They'll never again stay on the podium. They'll never win anything in many of these sports. I guess I shouldn't say anything. But in most of these sports, they won't place, not even close. Because again, the D3 national champion is faster than the world record in the 100-meter dash for women. And that's I think that's disappointing where why would you train your whole life to get – 113th place like you should you should be distinctive in being the fastest woman in the world which is currently the way the system is set up and so for me and for many I think that's just unsavory where suddenly you know a person who transitions can just take the world record and maybe you know say you get someone who's really fast and they run a 10 10 that's never gonna might never be broken by a biological female and so now the world record means nothing and now you know what I mean? I think that's I think that's difficult. Yeah, I agree. I, I I see all sides here. This is not an easy issue. I but what you said is if we transition to genderless sports and women, you know, biological, which we never women, will, we never will, we never will. But the whole point of of splitting them off is to make it fair. Is is to make it fair. So so what's fair? What's fair to these people transitioning? What's fair to biological women that are competing? You know, what's fair to to anybody if it's if you want to make it truly fair like i do see no you see no gender you see no color you just everybody plays and the best person comes out on top then it would just then there would be no there'd be no genders in it i'm not that's i don't think that is fair but if you want to just if you want to kind of scrap the rules and say okay everybody's allowed and just the best the best cream's going to rise to the top then you've got genderless basketball league, genderless softball league, genderless baseball league, and whoever makes it to the elite level makes it to that elite level. You know, the, the, the issue is now that we, you, you made it fair, you have an MBA and then you have a WNBA and now you're trying to somehow, you know, move them closer together or, here's an exception, you know, there's now there's an exception. Now there's another exception. Now there's this, that if, if you're going to make it fair, keep it separated. And if you're going to make it fair for all people, not just the, you know, one sector of the population, then you have to wipe away with the title of the gender titles of WNBA, NBA. Well, I don't think anything in, any situation can be 100% fair to everyone. And obviously, we're still talking right. about That's right. transgender people are re- representing an extremely, extremely tiny percentage of the population. But and still it'll people. probably grow over time. There's still people, sure. Then they sure deserve like equal liberties that everyone else has. 
But at the same time with sports, if you're talking, you're talking about protecting the fairness of the vast majority of people, I think you need to go in the pro cisgendered woman category because you're going to, I mean, you're talking about representing millions of female athletes and versus, versus the, you know, the percent of, um, transgender athletes. Like, uh, I think it just needs to be like, this can't possibly be fair to everybody. And that's unfortunate. And so in fairness to the vast majority of the population, it probably just needs to be separated by biological gender. And which is fine. Which I, would I, think that. I think that's okay. I would accept that. Um, and so like, that's why this, this legislation is it's again, the Twitter backlash. There's a lot of comments on either, either side. I, I encourage people to, to search this and, and read through some of the comments. Cause you'll see very, there's not much in the middle. There's like, Hey, yeah, this is a logical decision. Like I have a female athlete, you know, my daughter's a female athlete. Um, and I feel like this is fair to her. And of course, you know, if you're a mediocre transgender athlete, no one really cares, right? But again, I think if you're if you allow everyone and suddenly they're breaking world records, which could easily happen, right. then it just becomes really problematic. And you don't want women to be marginalized in this situation where they can't be celebrated for their athletic achievements. Because if you just have a human only league, they won't make any of the top teams in almost yeah. probably every no, sport. Right. And that's what, and that's I feel like that's just really unfortunate. So you just have right. to a lot of the people in the like the ACLU is going to fight this and, you know, by all means, uh, it's just like you're also fighting women, at least on the sports issue. And I feel like, like I said, that's it's difficult and it just people need to talk about it, too. So feel free to leave a comment um, out here on Twitter if you want to. We can always revisit this in the future. But Robert, what else you got? So some news came out regarding professional baseball and I saw Jeff pass and reported that they're going to start giving minor leaguers, uh, $400 a week. And I commented to you right before we got on the $400 a week is, I mean, that's more than some of these guys are making in double a, that's 20, uh, 20 bottles of Malort per week. It's a good, I could, I could, <laughs> I could kill a small army. Bar. Yeah. I could buy for the whole bar. Now the, you know, I, I've seen backlash from people on Twitter you know, kind of towing the line a little bit saying, well, you know, that's great, but it's still nothing. And it's, it, you know, my question is how many guys are going to get released? Because if you're a fringe guy that they don't need or that they can fill, Adios. there's, no reason, to, there's, there's yeah. no reason to keep you. You keep your, you keep your prospects. And, it, and, you know, if the season started tomorrow, you keep enough guys to fill the top, you know, triple A, double A. You don't need to keep everybody. And if I'm yeah. if I'm an MLB team and I'm looking at my balance sheet like we're about to lose, you know, nine figures this year because we've got nothing coming in. I don't need to pay Bobby Stevens, Dan Blewett, four hundred dollars a week. Go get a job. Like your your time you are <laughs> you current you have expired yeah. from professional baseball. So what do you what do you got on that? Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's, you, and you hit this nail on the head last week or in previous episodes. We're doing so many per week, it's hard to keep track of, like, what, this number six? Man. Um, but, you know, when you when you put more money in the equation, it's just going to force everyone to be better. Like you said, if, you know, you compare this to hockey, like their minor leagues or Japan's minor leagues, where you can make like 110K. If you're paying all these guys that much money, they better be good. And if you're not good, see you later. Like, you're not getting the opportunities no in the long term. You know, and, you know, you played an affiliated minor league ball. So, you know that even guys who are get like a thousand bucks, they'll still get maybe a year, maybe a couple of years. Like you have, you have more opportunities than people realize. But if you're suddenly getting, 
a good amount of money and it's much more cutthroat, they're just going to, they're just going to really look into who we want and who we don't. And there's a lot of filler of, unfortunately, and it's a tough term because they're still people, but there's a lot of guys who are filler, right? Well, I'm looking at, I'm looking at one of the comments, you know, uh, I assume he's a minor leaguer, blue check mark guy. And it says, how is that fair to the guys, uh, that you're paying guys at all levels, the same amount. It's like, yo, you, you can't have it both ways, dude. You can't want money and then they offer you money and then all of a sudden it's not enough money because you played higher than than this guy. Like that's just, I'm sorry. Like it, everybody's making concessions. Yeah. So either take the free money they're giving you because they don't have to give you money. Like as much as people think like they deserve this money, you don't deserve shit. You're not, you're not working. You're not doing anything. Yeah. Now spring training is a different story. Like guys don't get paid in spring training. You get yeah, meal money. terrible. And that's just terrible. Great. You know, that's, that's a different discussion. You know, they're going to start paying you now today, 400 bucks a week. Like your, your minor league season, you're not playing, you're not generating any money. Like yeah. you, you want to talk about fair, like the only people taking the hit, whether you, you know, I get it. They're one percenters, right? They make the most money in the world. They're billionaires, but they don't give what, why, why is it different? Why are the rules different? You know, don't, don't come at, don't, yeah, all of a sudden you're triple A guys who should get 600 bucks a week, but the A ball guys should get 400. Like what? That's bullshit. You're getting money. You're getting free money. So either going to take the money that you didn't expect to get that you, that you realistically don't deserve to get, or you're just going to, or complain about it. Like they're doing a good yeah. thing. 400 bucks a week is a good thing for a lot of guys playing minor league baseball. Like I'll take 400 bucks a week right now. Like why, who's not going to take 400 bucks a week? It's like these guys are going to sit home and not get a job if they feel like they need a job to make more money. This is just trying yeah. to supplement some income that they would have coming in. It's a good, I think it's a good thing that they did it. I think there's going to be uh, unrealized consequences for some of these guys that may or may not get released. And that's going to be like a cold, hard reality that they're going to get a phone call to say, and say, Hey, you're not, you don't have a spot anymore. Now that's bullshit right? You're going to fire somebody in the midst of everything that's going on, but people are getting laid off left and right. You know, there's from a lot of jobs. It's not everybody can work from home, baseball players included. Yeah. So you're going to be, you're in that boat. You know, you, I think you people that are playing right now, I think you'd be grateful for that money, you know, see it as a win. And, you know, it's a, it's a long-term process, especially with minor league baseball. We talked about it before. Like this is not a, this is not a, you know, quick fix, the minor leagues have been taken advantage of, you know, in a lot of people's eyes for since the dawn of baseball. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, with the voices of dissent. So again, like with all these comments, only a small percentage of people comment, right? And so only a small percentage of people are voicing their distaste with, oh, I should have gotten more money because I'm higher up the ladder, all that stuff. I'm sure the vast majority of people appreciate it the way, you know, you said it like, hey, we, we understand that this probably wouldn't happen two years ago. You know, we probably no one would have got paid. Like they didn't really care at all, but you know, baseball rights have come up a lot, you know, and, and part of that's the reason the part of the reason is a lot of people have been lobbying for them hard. Right. So one of them is a sports writer named Emily Walden. She's put out a lot of pieces of content for the athletic. She does a great job. She's really advocated for minor league rights. Um, and a bunch of others, obviously all the, the lawyers and, you know, the, the baseball players who are filing the lawsuit on behalf of everyone else, they're a voice that's helped make this happen. Of course, at the same time, like, and I did a YouTube video on this, um, maybe a year ago, a year and a half now, 
and which was like, look, I don't feel wronged. And this was my opinion. I didn't feel wronged by getting paid almost nothing. Like my first paycheck was two fifty five ten. That was two weeks of pay my first year in independent ball. I was on a $600 per month salary. And there was never a point where I really felt wronged and really cared. Looking back at it, of course, objectively, like that's not a livable wage. Like we all knew that. But at the same time, with anything, you can sort of take one and, and my point in my video, which if you want to check it out, it's on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's about peanut butter and jelly, which is sort of like the 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 uh, the symbol Delicious. the symbol of minor league baseball. Yeah, because that's all you can afford to eat. So you're just no crushing doubt. peanut butter and jelly. So my point was that I took it sort of as like an entrepreneur's approach in in minor league baseball. Which again, that's not the way these owners should approach it when they throw away so much money on free agents and they have guaranteed contracts. And I mean, there's so much money in baseball and so little money would take to fix the problem. But for me, I was like, look. It's just like building a business. When you start your own business, you're you need to be prepared to not take a salary for a number of years, right? And you've I'm sure gone through very lean times with your academy. Yes. My partner and I, when we moved to our new facility, we didn't pay ourselves for six months and we drained our bank accounts. And I mean, that's a very common thing for every entrepreneur. But you do that because there's a bigger payoff at the end. You know, you can get to the point where your employees run your business and you collect money every month, lots of it without really having to do that much, except just kind of monitor operations or whatever. You could sell the business and be a multi-million or billionaire. And so that early work where you're just scraping by and not taking much in salary is building this thing. And you can and you can make a very strong argument as a minor league ball player that you're doing that same thing. Because if you put in the work and you really grind through it, you spend one day in the big leagues and your salary, if you go back to the minors, jumps to what a minimum of like 80000 a year. Like suddenly you're making a minimum uh, of like 11 grand a month. Make, I think it's like 60% of what you were making up in the big leagues. Something, it's a percentage scale. Yeah. yeah, and you never go back down. So if you get that one minute in the big leagues, suddenly you're a well-paid minor leaguer for the rest of your life. And obviously, if you make it to the big leagues, you're making half a million dollars a year minimum salary. So you're suddenly making you know, three or four grand a day. And you have the potential for a free agent contract six or seven years down the road, which is really hard to get to. Obviously people don't realize how hard it is to get to Very. free agency. Um, Cause you need six years of service time, which is full seasons, like complete every day of that season is a year of service time. So if you're up in the big leagues for three quarters of a season, you get three quarters of a year of service time and you have to get to six full years to make it a free agency, which could be 12 years for, for a lot of guys. So, and obviously there's arbitration. There's a lot more ways to get paid earlier now than there were before, which is good. But my point is that you suck up the $1,200 per month paycheck for a couple years because suddenly if you do things right and you're lucky, you might get that $4 million per year paycheck. It's a lot like an entrepreneur's sort of exponential salary growth, right? So that's one way to look at it. That's just my way to look at it. And I know a lot of guys look at it the same way. They don't really care that much because they can, they can scrape by and they can make things work. Of course, there's other guys that have a wife and kids and they can't make it work. And it's tough. And so for those people and for everyone, you just deserve to be paid fairly, right? I think we all just we all right. agree on that. But when when you're not, just like when you're not paid fairly, then it becomes up to you on how you frame the situation. And again, for me and for you and for some others, we kind of framed it as like, look, I love what I'm doing. I know I'm getting abused like financially. But it's just not gonna. It's not gonna bring me down. I'm just gonna keep moving forward and do what I do. 
it's i i was talking my one of my buddies texting back and forth um who didn't play professional baseball and uh i brought up the the college baseball aspect where they're talking about pan college athletes it's like be careful what you wish for right yeah you know you you want you want to get paid okay well college baseball programs around the country historically lose money for their college yeah. so you want to you oh we all of a sudden need to get paid well all of a sudden we don't have baseball anymore like yep. we're going to keep they'll, the they'll cut sports for sure a lot of schools will cut sports. revenue yeah. um you know minor leaguers i know you're you know as much as we all wanted to get paid more you know independent ball is a prime example like you want to get paid more in independent ball what do you think these most of these most of these teams are running at a loss yeah, they are. Uh, so if we're gonna if we're gonna go by the balance sheet, like you want to get paid more, like the unemployment line is gonna be paying more because we can't we're not, we can't afford you. Like I can't afford to give you two grand a month or three grand a month. And then you know I'm uh, I'm saying Jeff Passan responded to this guy and he's like, you know, it's a win because there was a real possibility you were gonna get nothing. Yeah, for sure. So, and. Not, no system is perfect. Nothing is perfect. So we're, you, do, you, do you take the small victory and hope that it improves over time, which for a lot of these minor leaguers, like the improvements aren't going to be seen in their playing lifetime. Their improvements are going to be seen for the guys that come after them. You know, then that's something that's, that's why, you know, professional baseball players strike. Like that's why professional sports strike. They're de- trying to better the future. Like they're not necessarily going to see those improvements for themselves. So this is a big win for guys that are currently playing. I mean, that's a huge yeah, win. Absolutely. For well, I'll take 400 bucks right now. I mean, especially in the landscape, there's, I have friends that are laid off their restaurant industries. All these, all these industries have nothing coming in and there is no parent MLB company. That's got the deep enough pockets to be like, look, we know this is shitty for you. Like we'll take the hit. Here's a little bit of money every month till hopefully we get back on our feet. Most of these businesses are taking out those small business loans or shutting the doors. And that's just real life. It's not an ideal. Nothing is ideal. This is a good situation for a lot of minor leaguers. I can't imagine getting a $400 check every week and thinking this is bullshit. It's, just, it's not. It's you're you got lucky. You really did. Yeah. And there's, I mean, and there's a lot of people and everyone knows at least a handful of people that will complain no matter what they get. There's just those people out there. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, they're like, I was complaining about a parent who was complaining about guys getting their eligibility back in college baseball. I was looking through the early Twitter comments of, you know, this breaking news that, yeah, the NCAA says they're probably going to let all, you know, all athletes get a year of eligibility back. And there was a dad who was complaining about it. He's like, well, what about all the kids that have been underclassmen that have been waiting their turn? And now these seniors who won't even go through the draft, they're going to come back. And it's like, this is clearly fair for everyone. And sorry that now your kid has to wait in line a little more. Or he could just rise to the occasion and be better. He but doesn't like, have to like, wait in line. There, there's always. He doesn't yeah. have to wait in line. Yeah. There is no line. And life's not there's fair. N- there's no line. You're right. In sports, there's no line. It's no. just most freshmen aren't as good as college juniors. That's what that's what it is. But there's no line. You see, you saw it last year, like that guy no. uh, for Vanderbilt, Kumar Rocker. No line. Like, why does he not have a line? Oh, because he just dominates everybody, right? Be good, be no, better. Yeah. No, but nothing is fair in sports. You you just you rise or you shit or get off the pot. Nothing's yeah. fair. 
I understand where you might think it's unfair, but it's not. That's what it's. Why is it more fair for your freshman son who's been waiting in line than it is for the senior who has already waited? That kid waited in line. This is his shot. Now he's going to get screwed. No, it's nothing's fair. So this is the best. You have to get the best situation for the majority of people in, in, in whatever we're talking about. And this is what they decided. It's, it seems equally fair for all parties. Yeah, absolutely. The, go with it. Yeah. And as I mean, we're about to sign off here, but but yeah, I mean, and one of the results of this all this litigation and all these this advocacy for players' rights in the minor leagues, what it's going to lead to is guys that were good enough to play pro ball in our generation will not be good enough to make the cut to say that they're a, a pro ball player in five years because they'll shorten the draft, which is our we we know that's coming. They'll pay minor leagues yep. better. Pay, oh, they'll pay minor leaguers better. And so the standard will rise. And so now guys that were good enough to get drafted and be a pro for a couple of years, uh, they won't be good enough anymore. And the bar will be higher. And it was because of all these efforts now. So there's always, there's always, uh, that's not a silver lining. What's, what's the opposite of a silver lining? There's like a poop colored lining. Like a, yeah. Shit. Yeah. It's a bad lining. Shit. It's a bad, it's a Malort flavored lining. Oh, come on. <laughs> the Malort flavored lining to all this is, but that's how it is. Oof. I mean, you know, you don't see the draft at the, the quantity of players in football or basketball and great. They're very different sports. The developmental curve is different. Baseball, there's always going to be a higher volume of players because it's just such a hard game. There's more injuries and there's just a lot. Um, so it'll never be six rounds like there is in the NFL and with guys going right to the big leagues. But it's going to be shorter. There's going to be smaller minor leagues and there's going to be higher talent level and higher pay. And so just know that, That's, yeah, if you're an eighth you grader. Welcome, you should welcome the increase in uh, product. Yeah, you go to a game and you're seeing the best dudes, not dudes that are just bodies because we need a body. Yeah. So if you're an eighth grader, if you're a tenth grader, just know that the draft and what it's going to take to be a pro ball player might be significantly higher by the time you get there. So start working. Start working hard, hard now. And get, it's been get off the, the couch. Evolution of sports. It's significantly higher now than it was in the seventies. It was significantly higher in the seventies than it was in the twenties. Just a, a re- reality. People get bigger, faster, stronger. Now they're going to get bigger, faster, stronger with less spots. Well, back in so, the twenties, they were making their own bats like Bobby Stevens in their garage and swinging out, swinging these plantain-shaped pieces of garbage out on the how field. Else do you and hit a bat technology? The- bat technology has improved, and now you don't have to swing a bat that you made yourself. So you're right because bats are harder because the finish is better. Yes, yes. You don't know what you're talking about. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in today. This was uh, episode six of the Brushback Podcast. Be sure to tune in here on Friday. Uh, we're going to have an awesome guest. Will Carroll will be with us. And uh, if you're new to the show, we talk about sports, but we're going to be talking about a lot of different stuff. So subscribe, please, on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to give us a like, share us with a friend, and leave us a review because that's really helpful. When people see reviews, they will give us a chance. So if you've enjoyed what we've been Good talking about bad. so far, yeah, leave us, burn us, really just burn us. Leave us a brutal review. Um, send us into the pit of the ocean if that's how you feel. That's fine. Again, life's not fair. We can handle it. But if you do enjoy the show, we love it if you'd share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review. Thanks, and we will see you here on Friday. See you.